All right, love that song. Uh, man, we want to continue to magnify his name as we transition now from, from worshiping. Thanks, Matt. Uh, to now looking into the scriptures and excited as we look at uh, a psalm that is a song. I extol you, my God and King, and bless your name forever and ever. Every, every day, not some days, not most days, every day I'll bless you and praise your name forever and ever. Why? Because great is the Lord and greatly to be praised, and his greatness is unsearchable. One generation shall commend your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. On the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wondrous works, I will meditate. And they shall speak of the might of your awesome deeds, and I will declare your, declare your greatness. And so uh, I'm excited this morning to look at a psalm. I hope you got the message memo. If you didn't, uh, the verses are not going to be on the screen because there's no TV here. Uh, we're doing things a bit different. So if you don't have a memo, one of the ushers would, would, let, would gladly put those in your hand so you can kind of follow along uh, with us this morning. So uh, let me first introduce myself before we go any further. Uh, my name is Jonathan Monk. I have the privilege of serving as our high school youth pastor for the last uh, couple years. Love working uh, with our students. You may have seen the video just about two weeks ago uh, that Doug played before. He prayed before the service about how we went on our winter retreat, which is called rehab. Uh, we had a great time, so thanks for praying for us. Excited to share that at that retreat, we had two students accept Christ. So very, very uh, excited for that. We had... We had a ton of fun. Um, uh, we students were so uh, such an encouragement to me as we sang in worship as we just did. Uh, we sang in the morning, um, we sang at night, and then we even had some students that uh, wanted to sing at 1.45 in the morning. <laughs> what happened was, uh, it was our last night, and I caught a group of our girls trying to prank one of our own elders, John Adams. They're, they're trying to prank him at almost 1.45, 2 in the morning. And I stopped them and I said, girls, what are you doing? And then one of them quickly spoke up and said, well, we prayed about it before we did it. Uh, didn't know how to respond. And then I said, girls, you need to get back to your cabin. And on their way back to their cabin, uh, in, in unison, all together, they sang Amazing Grace. And so they, they didn't know how to respond to that. But uh, our students are, are a joy uh, to be around. So they, they love to, to sing. And we are, as I said a minute ago, we're looking at a, a psalm, a song in, in Scripture. And so we're kind of coming out of, of Ephesians. Doug will be back in Ephesians next week. And we're looking at, at Psalm 145. Uh, there's a guy by the name of Eugene Peterson. And he said that whereas all of the Bible speaks to us, it is the psalms that speak for us. In other words, when you and I don't know how to pray, uh, whether you, you're a new believer or you've been a believer for a while, when we don't know how to pray or are struggling to praise, the Psalms are a great place to go to. They're refreshing. The Lord's used the Psalms in my life uh, and my family's life greatly over the years. And so the Psalms speak for me and they teach me how to pray uh, and how to praise. Quick comments real quick. We are doing Psalm 145, but there's a lot of Psalms I, I could have picked. You could have done Psalm 23, right? The, the Lord is my shepherd, classic. Could have done Psalm 46, God is our refuge and strength, the very present help in time of trouble. I mean, there's a lot of Psalms that, that I could have picked from. So why Psalm 145? It's, it's maybe not as well known as Psalm 23 or some of the others or Psalm 1 or Psalm 119. But I picked Psalm 145 because I just wanted to personally share David's testimony and then a bit of my testimony through stories throughout this Psalm this morning. That Psalm 145 has been used greatly in my life. 
It was about five years ago. I, I didn't grow up hearing this psalm. I didn't really come to read this psalm until about five years ago where Alice and I were living in, in Eden, North Carolina, and we just didn't know a lot of people. We weren't real connected to a church. And man, it was a discouraging season of life. And the Lord used this Psalm 145 as I read it to really lift me out of discouragement. He also used this Psalm to lift me or move me from apathy to being in awe of him as I once was when I was a new believer. Because as I come to this Psalm, I'm reminded as I look at verse three that his greatness is unsearchable. That really lifts my thoughts to think about, for me to think about him. And then the Psalm speaks about how he, he satisfies us. So this, this psalm is, is personal for me. It's one I, I go back to um, often. And so I, I didn't want to speak from theoretical, but practical, personal experience uh, as we look at this psalm. So if, you, if you've got your hand out, my goal is pretty simple. Uh, the goal is I want to lead us to praise uh, this morning. And how I want to do that is I want to show you on the left-hand side of why God is praiseworthy. And then as you see on the right-hand side of, of how, how we praise him. And so uh, before we get into how we praise him, as you open up the Psalm, 140, the Psalm 145, either in your Bible or on that handout, uh, just a few reasons or a few comments on Psalm 145. You see that it's a song of praise, a song of, praise of David. Uh, only Psalm with this title, by the way, Song of Praise. And many people believe that this is David's last Psalm, the guy who wrote many of them. So Psalm 145, a couple comments here in verses um, in one and two. I, I think it's significant that David starts with, I will extol you. He is simply saying, I'm gonna elevate, I wanna lift up your name. He's gonna tell us why in, in the verses coming down. Uh, if you wanna underline this, if you have a pen, in my notes here, I have underlined my God and King which I think is significant because as David's gonna lead us to praise, he, he calls God, my God, not, you know, this isn't theoretical for David, this is personal. He calls God, you are my God. He personally knew God and had a relationship with God. And it's my prayer that maybe as the result of you being here this morning that you would say as David, you are my God. That maybe he's not your God, but after sitting under the teaching and hearing testimonies this morning, you will leave today or tonight or tomorrow morning and you wake up and say, he, he hasn't been my God, but he is now my God. David knew God personally. We see this in Psalm 63. Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My body longs for you. In a dry and weary land where there is no water, I've seen you in the sanctuary. I've beheld your power and your glory. He goes on to say, God, I, I've come to the conclusion that you're better than life. So he he knew God personally, and, and so he says, you're my God. And then he says, you're my king, which it's easy to move past that, but it, we have to stop here to recognize that David was king over Israel. But even though he was king over Israel, he knew that there was a king over him, and it was God. God was the one calling the shots. It was God who was in charge, and it was God that he ultimately came under uh, his authority. Underline this, if you want to, real quickly, as we look at verse 2. David says, every day, not most days, not some days, not once a month or once a week, but David says, I want to praise you every day, which I think is a great model for the Christian life. This is, this is how the Lord's really used this psalm, or one of the ways the Lord has used this psalm in my own life as I reflect on this now, is that when I have read this and I hear every day, every day is a day to go, I have to praise him even on, on this day. 
And, and David's an encouragement here because not every day was the same for David. He faced a lot of different types of days. After defeating Goliath, he's praised. Saul has killed their thousands, but David, you've killed down their ten thousands. He's praised. And then other days in his life, he's being uh, hunted by Saul. So not every day was the same. Some days, he's, that one day he was confronted over his sin with Bathsheba by Nathan. A lot of different days that David faced, but David is saying, I want to praise you every day. And I think this is an encouragement for me and for us because not every day is the same. And some days it can be, it can be hard. It can be hard when you're experiencing financial stress, when you have a family member that loses their job or there's stress in the marriage, or you've been praying for a family member to come to know the Lord for 15 years and you haven't seen that prayer answered. It's hard to praise. It's hard to praise when you have a family member that once walked so closely to the Lord, now no longer walks with the Lord. It's hard to praise. It's hard to praise when you get up in the morning and you have a doctor's appointment and you fear getting the news that you don't want to receive. You fear getting bad news. It's hard to praise in those days. But I think David here in this psalm is calling us to, even in the hard days, we can praise him. And we are to praise him because of the reasons here we see in verse 3. And this is the first word I want you to either circle, underline, or you can write it to the left in your notes there and off to the blank, uh, to the left of verse three. Do you see why we, we, we praise him? We praise him even in the heart because he's great. Or you could write because of his greatness. David says, great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. And I don't know about you, but the word great is a bit overused. I, I use the word great to describe a golfer as I was watching the Arnold Palmer Invitational yesterday, watch basketball games, he's great. When I think about Tom Brady, he's great. I mean, the guy throws more touchdown passes in his 40s than he does in his 20s. Tom Brady's great, right? Um, but it wouldn't take, and I'm not trying to take anything away from, from any of those guys' uh, accomplishments, but it, it wouldn't take very long for a, re, for a reporter to explain or to search out Tom Brady's greatness. His greatness can be described. But when David says that God is great, he's placing God in a different category, all right? Because he says in verse three, his greatness is unsearchable. You, you can't describe it. He, you can't fathom it. We, this really should lead us in awe. David is saying, hey, stop for a moment and just think when you're anxious or you're discouraged and down. Look up, look your eye, look, fix your eyes on the king whose greatness is is unsearchable. I, I was really encouraged that our retreat just two weekends ago, how we had a campfire and one of the students, a sophomore guy, quoted parts of Psalm 19, which made me think of greatness. Uh, Psalm 19, just at the very beginning, it says, the heavens declare the glory of God and the sky above proclaim his handiwork. It speaks of his greatness. Or how about Psalm 8? When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is man that you're mindful of him, right? He is, he is great. And then when you read through many of the Psalms, you see that in a lot of the Psalms, there's a, a rhetorical questions are asked that are really designed to make you and I stop and go, wow, like, like Psalm 113 says, who is like the Lord our God? And, and you should stop and you should go, who is like the Lord our God? And the answer is no one, right? No one is like him. He has no rival. He has no equal. His name is above every name, right? He is great, and I, growing up in the church, heard many hymns that speak about his greatness. The Psalms speak about his greatness. 
Hymns, songs speak about his greatness like this one. When I in awesome wonder consider all the world thy hands have made, I see the stars, I hear the rolling thunder, thy power throughout the universe displayed, then sings my soul, my Savior God to thee. How great, and then remember the next part? How great thou art. How great thou art. And as I look back at verse 3, where David says, great is the Lord and greatly to be praised, I think there's logic here. And the logic is that great praise is fueled by great thoughts about God. So if you would, if you're taking notes, you want to, this might help you. At the very top of your notes, would you write this down? I could put this in a sentence here. Great thoughts of God fuel praise to God. Great thoughts of God fuel praise to God. I think that's what this psalm is doing. I think greatly about him, therefore I want to, I want to praise him greatly. But great, but great praise flows from great thoughts about God. I remember the first time I taught this passage, it was in South Carolina. And the whole time I taught this passage, during the message that is, I, I was wondering, what are these students thinking about me? And then afterwards, it was, what, what did they think about it? Did they like it? Was it helpful? And afterwards, I really think the Lord used my wife to, to challenge me. And as I talked with Allison, I remember Allison wrote this down for me. This was March 18th, 2017. As we left South Carolina and we were driving back to North Carolina, she wrote this down for me as we were talking. The Lord really used her in my life. And I had to confess here. I confess that at times, I like the idea of getting praise more than giving you praise. And I was convicted by, the own, by this own message that I just taught the students. And it was really, it was, it was ironic for me. How are you going to teach a psalm that is about the greatness of God and yet be thinking of your own greatness? And so just personally, here's what I've had to reflect on. It's hard to have great thoughts of God when I have great thoughts about myself. And when I have great thoughts of myself, I will lack praise. But the Lord is continuing to use Psalm 145 in my life. I haven't arrived yet. I would say five years later, I, I still struggle with that at times. But I'm, the Lord has grown me up, and I want to be in awe of his greatness. I want to praise him for his, for his greatness. Second, I see in verse 7, I want to praise him for his goodness. You see that it says it right at the very end. You can underline the word um, goodness there. It says, they shall pour forth the fame of your abundant goodness. I think David experiences God's goodness. He explains this in Psalm 51 after he confesses his sin of adultery with Bathsheba. I think that's a moment where David experienced God's goodness. We see in Psalm 145 a way that David unpacks God's goodness a bit, I think, is how he says the Lord is merciful and gracious. And for those of us in this room who have trusted in Christ, we have experienced the goodness of God at the cross. Right, where we deserve death, but God sent Jesus who died in our place, and we receive mercy and grace. And as a, having a dad who is a worship pastor, and mom and dad was real involved in the church, I grew up hearing the gospel I don't know how many times, but didn't want to listen and rejected, uh, rejected it until I was 21. I um, left one weekend with my family to go see my younger brother who was at a teen challenge program in the panhandle. I thought I was just going to see my brother, had no idea how the Lord would use that weekend in my life. 
All I remember is a guy got up with a Bible. He turned to Psalm 119, which says, how can a young man keep his way pure? He read the verse, he explained it, and I was convicted. I was convicted in two ways. I knew that I wasn't pure, and I knew that I couldn't be pure apart from the Lord. About a month later, I found myself on my knees crying out to the Lord to save me, repented of my sin, trusted in him, and he made me new. And that was about 15 years ago. And the Lord has used that psalm and other psalms uh, greatly in my life. And the gospel that I believed in, believed there, I still have to preach it to myself. And I think as, as believers... We praise him for his, in order to praise him for his goodness, I think we have to come back to our salvation. Recognizing that in our salvation, our greatest problem has been solved at the cross. And for me, I have to come back to my salvation because there's going to be times and there have been times where you question, is he really good? Right, because I'm talking about in this psalm, we praise him for his goodness, but sometimes there may be moments where you're like, wait, is he really, is he really good? And maybe that's where you're at this morning, where you're at a stage or a season of life where you're just, you're struggling to praise him for his goodness because of something that's going on in your life, right? Maybe you did receive bad news from a doctor, or maybe there's family stress, or maybe there's something like an example here, and this isn't from a high schooler, it's actually from a guy in his 30s. He told me, it's hard to praise him when you don't have friends, and the guy is connected to a church, but just isn't connected in relationships with other guys. And he says, man, I feel alone. It can be hard to come to church and outside of church to praise him when you don't feel connected to people. It can be hard to praise him when you don't know what your future holds. It can be hard to praise the Lord when you see a family member walk away from the Lord. And yet, I just want to encourage you that if you're at a place where you're like, man, I'm struggling to praise him for his goodness Man, there's a great psalm for you to go to. I want you to come to Psalm 145, because that's where we're at right now. But I think, I think a psalm for you to go to that would be a real help to you would be Psalm 13. Because Psalm 13 is, and you can write this off somewhere off to the left or right in your notes, Psalm 13 is a lament. And a lament, as one author put it, is a prayer in pain that leads to trust. And there was a time in David's life where he struggled with the goodness of God. And Psalm 13, I'll just mention it quickly, hear how it begins, but hear more so how it ends. And David, at one point in his life, basically turns to the Lord, and he asks God a series of questions. And David says to God, how long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I go have counsel in my soul? He's, he's asking God, how long will this last? How long will my kids not sleep at night, Right? How long will this hard remain in my life? And so he's asking God questions, but then the psalm, as he turns to the Lord, he begins to say this in Psalm 13, but my heart has trusted in your salvation and I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. So do you see that? Even in the, in the laments in the Bible where David is wrestling with the goodness of God, he ultimately is in, 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 his, he's in his lament, he's expressing the sorrow that he feels, but he's rehearsing the truths he believes. And man, that has been such an encouragement to me. That in my sorrow, when I'm wrestling with the goodness of God, I express my sorrow, but I rehearse the truths I believe. The truths I believed when? The moment of salvation. That he who was good at the cross, man, he is good now. And he who is faithful then is faithful now. And I preach that to myself. I preach that to my heart. Because he's good. And I can praise him for that. And I think David here in Psalm 145 came to the conclusion that ultimately God and he's good. He's good. And I want to praise him for that. Third, 
we see in verse 13, the third way why David praises God is for his faithfulness or for his provision. So you can, maybe off to the left, you have your, your notes, you have greatness, goodness, and then faithfulness. On Thursday night, there was a guy standing like right here, and I said, uh, hey, where in the Bible do we see God's faithfulness? And I looked right over here, and a guy out loud said, everywhere? It was, it was cool. Like, it was exactly right. That's, that's a concise way to say it. Where do we see God's faithfulness? In the scriptures, everywhere. From Genesis to Revelation, we see that God makes promises, and he keeps promises. Abraham, classic example of God's faithfulness. Abraham, from, through your, your family, there's going to be a great people. And then those people are going to be given a land. And then in that land, they're going to become a great nation. And then through that nation, there's going to be a Messiah sent. And that happens. God's a promise uh, maker, and then he keeps his promises. He's faithful. And I think David, a, a place in the Psalms where he expresses his trust, his faithfulness in God, that he's true to his word, is Psalm 23. That even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. He knew that God was faithful. I think his, he unpacks the faithfulness of God in, his, in how God has provides, which he mentions in verses 14 and 15. I think as I reflect, where have I experienced the faithfulness of God or how God has provided? I'm reminded back in 2009 when I really wanted to go to CIU, the Bible college, and yet I didn't have the money to, uh, to go. I just didn't have enough scholarships and so on. One summer day, I contacted CIU and just said, hey, I'm not going to be able to come uh, because I don't have the money, which was, which, which was disappointing because my younger brother, Andrew, um, he did get enough scholarships and he was headed and we wanted to both go together, but that didn't seem like it was going to work out. Um, one day, I, me and my dad and Andrew, my brother, were moving him into his dorm. Long story short, a guy pulls me aside and tells me that someone had given me uh, an anonymous donation that basically would cover my first year of tuition. I was shocked. I was like, what? I had three days to decide whether I would uh, take the scholarship or not. I, I left Columbia, South Carolina, went back down to Titus where I was living at the time, spoke to my mentor, this guy, Peter Lord. I explained the story to him, and Peter Lord said to me, hey, you need to go home and pack your suitcases because where God guides, he provides. And then three days later, I packed my, not my suitcase because I didn't have one at the time, but uh, packed my bags. And I moved up to Columbia, South Carolina and spent four years there. And I watched semester by semester how God provided. And not just provided money, but he provided people. Man, he provided me with Allison. That's where I met Allison. And then I, uh, there, uh, during the four years, I began to love and, uh, how to teach the, the scriptures. And then one afternoon after chapel, I meet two guys, uh, Doug Rutt and Bill Winton. And then through that relationship, I'm invited to come here for two summers. I only felt, and I see you in the back, you sharpened me so much as a teacher. All right, so intern with Bill Winton, she, she helped me uh, get better. Interned for two summers there, and then um, three and a half years later came here on staff. And it's just been so cool to see how God has provided and how he has been faithful. As you think about your own, in your own life, how have you experienced the, pro the provision of God? How, how have you seen God to be faithful? I think it would be a, a cool practical thing to do for those of us who are younger in the room is to try to find some of these older people in the room and just sit down and ask them, how have you seen God to be faithful? Ask the question, listen to them tell you, and then pay for the meal. And be encouraged <laughs> as you hear how God has been faithful to them. I mean, there's people in the room that have been walking with the Lord for, for a long, long time. 
So those are three ways of why we praise him. His greatness, his goodness, his faithfulness. And then how do we praise him? I, th- I think I see that in verse five. How do I praise him? Verse five, it says this. On the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wondrous works, I'll meditate. So I think to go a step further back, really praise begins with what I meditate. Meditation is not emptying my mind with, uh, not emptying my mind, but it's filling my mind with truth. It's doing what I see in James 1.25, looking intently, intently at the word, not just to be a hearer of it, but a, but a doer of it. Uh, David here is saying, we don't meditate on our feelings, but we meditate on his wondrous works. And I can remember when Alice and I first moved here, we lived over by Ikea. And there was many mornings that I would wake up at about five in the morning before the kids would wake up and I would walk out of our apartment to Ikea and back. It was about a mile. And I would quote aloud, that's just how I meditated on the word, was by memorizing and then speaking out loud parts of uh, his wondrous works to me, which I see in salvation like in the book of Romans. And, and there'd be mornings where I would quote that out loud and, and there'd be sometimes actually where I would be like, why am I doing this? Like, is this really gonna do anything? And there'd be times that by the time I got to Ikea on the way back, that the Lord through his word would bring me to tears, tears of joy, that he would uh, use these words in scripture about my great salvation to lead me to sing to him. And for me personally, um, meditation has stirred my heart to praise him. And that's a real story of just daily getting up in the morning early, quoting scripture out loud. But to be honest, that's a real story, but that hasn't been my daily practice all the time. There's actually been mornings where I wake up and I'm like, I just would rather sleep. And I choose sleep over meditation. Or there's times where I get up in the morning, like on a Wednesday, and I grab my Bible and I do read it, but I'm going, okay, wait, what am I teaching on tonight? Oh, I'm in Luke. And I read the Bible with the high schooler's application in mind and not my own. And that's the totally opposite of what Doug and Bill taught me as an intern. Because they told me, Jonathan, when you come to the Bible, you come to the Bible as a learner first, teacher second, so you can teach as one who's been taught. I want to be be a learner and come to the Bible for my own heart and then teach others out of that, right? Um, So what I want to do now is I just want to stop and give us a chance to meditate. Give us the opportunity to look in the passage, the, the scriptures that you have in front of you, and to just take about 90 seconds to, with your pen, circle other attributes of God that you see in this passage. Because I've only mentioned three. There's many others. All right, so Matt's going to come up and do a song. Oh, there you are. Wow, he got up here so fast. Surprise me. Um, So as he plays, just take 90 seconds. Read the passage for your own heart. Think about his greatness, his goodness, his faithfulness. And then I'm going to ask a few of you to speak out loud other attributes you see.
I know that went by really fast, but you could take 15 to 20 minutes later tonight or first thing in the morning. But I'd love, for the sake of all of us to be encouraged, can someone shout out loud what you circled? Just, just the word, not the explanation. Well, satisfies. That's good. That's right. What else? Say it again. Kind. That's right. Anybody else? He's faithful. That's right. Merciful, mighty deeds. Righteous. He raises up. Yeah, he raises up all who are bowed down. That's good. He slowed anger. So good. Power. Forgiving. Man, we could go on and on. Um, man, it's so good. Great, great thoughts about God fuel um, praise to God. What I want you to do now, moving from a time of meditation, is now we're going to move into a time of celebration. And what I want you to do is I want you to underline a word real quick. It's in verse 4. One generation shall commend. Commend your works. And so we're going to commend, speak highly of what God has done through baptism. So if you uh, are getting baptized, you want to meet Tracy right over here. And I'm going to speak real quickly about, about baptism. So uh, we're looking at how do we praise him? Well, we praise him by meditation. We praise him by commending. Commending is to speak highly of what God has done. And we're going to do that through personal testimonies um, as they prepare um, to be baptized. If you're new to CFC, CFC we, we believe that baptism um, does not save, but rather baptism is an outward expression of an inward reality. So I'm going to turn it over to John. Hi, my name is Molly. I'm 10 years old and I've lived in Jacksonville my whole life. I've been going to CFC in my whole life, too. I learned a lot about God, but I didn't understand everything. I wanted to grow closer to God, but I didn't know how. I learned a lot from my parents and Sunday school teachers that prepared me for a big decision. I went to a vacation Bible school, and a guy was on stage sharing his story. He had a book that was blank. On each page was a different color, and he told a story about how he was changed when he accepted Christ. It helped me make sense of all the things I've learned my whole life. He said, if you want to accept Christ, come on the stage. At first, I was embarrassed and didn't want to go alone. I thought about it, and I finally said, I want to make this decision today. I learned a lot about the ABCs, A, accepting, B, believing, and C, confessing. Then I accepted Jesus into my life, believed Jesus was my Savior, and confessed my sins to God. I wanted to know Jesus better and have him in my heart. On Christmas morning, I got a prayer journal, and now I use it every night. When I do wrong things, I go to my room, and I ask God to forgive me. I'm still not perfect at all, but I try to make better choices. I want to be baptized to publicly tell everyone that I believe Jesus died for my sins. One of my favorite verses is Psalms 139, 14. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I believe God made me for a purpose, and I want to try to do what he asks of me. I am now a Christ follower and so thankful that I am forgiven. Ephesians 1, 7 through 8 says, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished on us. Molly, because of your profession of faith in Jesus Christ as your Savior and your Lord, it is an absolute privilege for your dad to baptize you. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, you've been buried with him in baptism and raised to walk in new life.
Good morning, everybody. I'm Jonah Layton, and I'm 14 years old. Before I accepted Christ, I was very sinful. I did not think my sin was a big problem. It was not like I was robbing banks or anything. <laughs> Last summer, when I was 13, I was doing a Power Up Club interview with Bill Winton, our middle school pastor. He asked if I, was a, if I had a relationship with Jesus, and I was speechless. So I went home that day and talked to my parents about it. The next two weeks, I was praying to God about it. And that Sunday, Doug taught a lesson that really helped me. I definitely felt like God was talking to me in that moment. That's when I was aware of all this in my life. So that night, I was with my parents in my my living room. My mom was on my left, and my dad was on my right. I prayed to God, saying, Lord, I know I have a lot of sin in my life, and I'm sorry for that. Can you help me make you the main focus of my life? After that, I had a feeling of relief, knowing that all my sins are forgiven. I did not feel guilty about all my sins. Rather, I feel forgiven. A verse I would like to share with you today that has helped me is 1 John 3.18. Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me in the life which I now live in the flesh. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. Jonah, because of your profession of faith in Jesus Christ as your Savior and your Lord, it's an absolute privilege for your, for your middle school pastor to baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, been buried with him in baptism, and raised to walk in new life. Grab your hand out real quick. We're going to go back to that. So excited to time of meditation, time of celebration through, uh, through baptism. All right, now, if you're looking at the right part side of your handout, how do we praise him? We have meditation written down, commend, and then I want you to write this third word or underline it, and I see it in verse 7. And verse 7 reads as follows. They shall pour forth the fame of your abundant goodness and shall... Sing aloud of your righteousness. All right, so what's our next word? How do, how do we praise him? Aloud. Yeah, it is aloud, yeah, uh, by singing. And so write that down. Uh, as we unpack this a little bit, we praise him by singing, which is, which is obvious. Um, but, but good to unpack here. Matt has been an encouragement to me in uh, talking about worship. He has um, taught me that we sing for, for two reasons here. We sing to renew our minds and to stir our affections. And as I've talked with our students, we sing not to try to show off. It's not, it's not to show off, but it's out of the overflow of, what, of our meditation. It's out of the overflow of what we know to be true about God. And as we think about baptism, about what we just heard him and what he's done in other people's lives. So the response to that is we want to, uh, we want to praise him. And someone asked me recently, um, why do I like singing so much? And it's, it's not because I have a voice. I don't, I don't sing very well, but I do love to sing. And I think that I would probably have to credit my dad uh, for that. I just grew up, my dad was always singing worship songs, and he has a great voice. And so from that, even as an unbeliever, uh, through middle school and, and, and high school, I, I think I began to really love uh, to, to sing. 
Uh, there's a few songs that the Lord has used here in the last year uh, through Matt and through Isaac here in South and over there in North. A few songs. Let's see if you can finish the sentence. All right. So here's one song. I will speak to my fear and I will, do you know the next line? Preach to my doubt. Yeah. Why? Because he who is faithful then will be faithful now. How about this song? When the lies speak louder than the truth. Do you know the next part? Anybody know it? Yeah. Remind me that I belong to you. Or how about this one? I won't be formed by feelings, right? But I'll hold fast to what is true. Those few songs have really been songs that the Lord has used in my life here as I've sang. I think as I think about singing, I think it's good to point out in a corporate setting how our singing, how our worship, which is unto the Lord, can really have an impact on lost people. And I have a story that I wanted to share with you. This is uh, Bailey McDonald's story. Uh, He's now in our college ministry, but when he was in high school, here's a story that, um, or something that happened to him, and I want to share it briefly. He said, before I started coming to CFC, I had only been a Christian through title and not through faith. My freshman year, about four years ago, I knew that nothing, um, I knew nothing about what I claimed to be. But on my first Wednesday night in senior high, I got a taste of what I needed for so long. Jesse Taylor, along with the rest of the band, sang Death Was Arrested. And looking back, I can really tell that God was moving in the shop. And even the pastor at that time, Mike Thompson, got up on the stage afterwards and said he felt it when everyone sang the chorus from the bottom of their hearts. After experiencing this, for lack of better words, a fire was lit under me and I wanted to become more involved at CFC. And later in Bailey's story, he, he tells how about a few months after that, on the winter retreat, he placed faith in Christ. And he really credits it to Worship, watching other people worship, watching believers worship had an impact on him. And I think that's just helpful to know that when we sing, we never know when an unbeliever is in our midst and they're gonna look at us and go, why are they singing? I'm gonna speak to my fear. I'm gonna preach to my doubt. What fears do they have? What doubts do they have? What are they preaching to themselves? What do they mean when they say, I won't be formed by feelings, but I'm gonna hold fast to what is true. I wonder what truth they're holding to. You know, so we wanna sing not to show off, but when we sing out of the overflow of what God's done, He really can use it in the lives of people that are far from him. I think he can also use singing in the lives of believers who are discouraged or who are defeated and they feel like they can't sing. And so you never know who's here on a Sunday morning who woke up and said, I'm not coming to church today or who who got hardly any sleep last night and they're tired. And when we stand up to sing, they're like, I don't feel like singing. But the way we sing, I really think has an impact on other people. So uh, Matt and Rose are gonna lead us in a couple songs here. But I do want to just say this, that as we sing, uh, let's sing to glorify God, but also encourage other people. God has opened our eyes to see his truth, and now let's open our mouths to declare his praise. Let's stand and sing about his goodness.
Praise him for his greatness, goodness, faithfulness. How? Meditation, commend, singing, and finally by speaking. You can write that down real quickly. And I want to give an opportunity for a few of our students to speak about his, um, his faithfulness of how they have seen him work. So again, if you wanted to write that down, we see speaking in verse 6. They shall speak of the might of your awesome deeds. And so these are two of our seniors, uh, Abigail Hollis and Nathan Miller. And uh, both of them had um, really saw God at work at our retreat two weekends ago. I was really encouraged by Abigail, who will go first. And she uh, spoke at our Saturday night campfire, opened it up and said, hey, how have you seen God at work? And what do you want to praise him for? And what she shared, I was encouraged by, and I think you will be as well. So Abigail, come on up. All right, so hi, my name is Abigail Hollis, and I'm a senior in high school here at CFC. Near the end of last year, my family went through some difficulties. I was pretty surrounded by stress and strife, and my whole world felt really unstable. I remember searching for some of stability and found it in nowhere else than in God himself and in his word. I poured over his truth, and he gave me peace. Turning into the new year, circumstances were looking much better. However, it wouldn't be long until one more thing would come to rock me again. Without going into specifics, my family was once again hit with a hardship, but this time indirectly. I was finally feeling stable, and then one more thing came to knock me off balance. I remember questioning God, asking him why things just couldn't stay the same. Once again, I had to turn to God to be my rock in the shifting sand. More than once, he revealed his peace and love to me. Despite the change and unreliableness of my circumstances around me, God showed himself to me to never change and remained faithful. So as we can see in Psalm 145, 18, the Lord is near to all who call upon him, to all who call upon him in truth. And for this, I praise God for his faithfulness. Amen. All right, I'm Nathan. Um, and a little over a month ago, I broke uh, my thumb playing soccer. 
And after we met with the doctors, they determined that uh, I would be out for, for three months because I'm a goalkeeper and I kind of needed my hands. So, um, But my immediate reaction was disappointment and anger. Um, it was really hard for me to find praise in the Lord uh, during this time. You see, just last year, uh, I was out of my junior season uh, for soccer because of heart surgery. Um, so it was, it was hard to be uh, in the same place I was last year. Um, but as the Lord uh, cleared my mind, he opened my eyes to see what he could really do. Um, and one thing that I was looking forward to was getting more involved in senior high. Uh, soccer had restricted me from coming on Wednesday nights for the past three years now, and I was excited to be more involved. And if it wasn't for those Wednesday nights, an opportunity to lead a Bible study would never have come up. Uh, Jonathan had presented me with the idea of a student-led Bible study that he wanted to start in senior high, and the idea immediately caught my attention. Um, I was longing for a time that could allow students to be in fellowship with one another all while truly reading and breaking apart the Lord's word. You see, uh, my freshman year, uh, when I was first at CFC, uh, a similar Bible study is what ultimately got me plugged in uh, to the church. And through that, uh, my walk with the Lord greatly increased. Uh, so we talked it over and decided that a great place to start would be rehab, which is uh, the student uh, retreat in mid-February. And the study was held every morning before breakfast, and we looked at three psalms, uh, and one of them being Psalm 145, which was on the, the first morning. And that morning was life-changing for me and for many in the room. There was almost 40 students at the study, and you could tell that there was a genuine passion and desire to hear the Lord's word and truly break it down. The study really took off, and it felt more like a conversation than a teaching. And the amazing thing was is that it was completely student-led. The Lord's greatness truly shined through that morning. And as we read verse 20, which says, The Lord preserves all who love him, but all the wicked he destroys. The Lord worked in a special student's life. And that student is Nolan Carter, who is a senior. That morning, Nolan looked at that verse and was truly changed. And ultimately, he got saved that morning. And I was so encouraged to see the Lord work in Nolan's life and in many others that morning. His word brings me so, so much joy, and I want to meditate on it day and night. And as I look back to see what the Lord has done, I see his goodness. He turned a hard time in my life into a joyful one, and he used me in ways I could never imagine. And as I look to Psalm 145, verse 21, the very last verse, um, it says, My mouth will speak the praise of, uh, of you and let all my flesh bless his holy name. And I truly want all my flesh to bless his holy name. Amen. So encouraging to hear those stories. So um, we praise God uh, for his greatness, his goodness, his faithfulness. We praise him how? Meditating on his word, uh, speaking highly of what he's done, singing, speaking about it. And uh, really cool to hear the story that you just heard of someone who read the verse and realized, man, I, I'm out of a relationship with God. And so I do want to say that maybe you're here this morning and you recognize the, the God that we looked at in Psalm 145, he is not your God. And I want to give you the opportunity to, to respond to him, um, that uh, he's, a, he's a faithful God. Um, and maybe you have said, God, I'm just not ready to, to believe in him, right? I don't know if he's, he's real, you know? Maybe you've questioned him. I'm reminded of a quote by a, 
an atheist, a he was a famous mathematician and an atheist, Bertrand Russell, was asked about what, what he would say if he had to stand before God one day to give an account for his unbelief. And his answer was, sir, why did you take such pains to hide yourself? And God has not hidden himself. God has made himself known to us. He's made himself known in creation. He's made himself known in his word. And he's made himself ultimately known in the person of Jesus, who is the image of the invisible God. He's the firstborn of all creation. For by him, all things were created. So we look to the son, and I am encouraging you this morning that if you're out of a relationship with him, look to him, trust in him, not in yourself. And um, when you do that, you can trust in him, the one who who died and rose for our sins. Let's stand and magnify his holy name. that are on our lips, the praise the Lord that are on our lips uh, would increase as we go along, as we're reminded of his goodness and his greatness and his faithfulness. So let's go. Let's be a blessing to others. Spirit has empowered us to do so. Let's remember his goodness, his greatness, his faithfulness to us. Thanks, friends. We'll see you next time.